welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Man, last week we talked about finding freedom, so we're going to jump into this. And uh, uh, we talked about finding freedom and, and, and the need for freedom, right? There's so many different things that we face and, and battles that we walk through. And we talked about how many of us have accepted forgiveness without walking in freedom. That we took the forgiveness of Christ and we were thankful for the forgiveness, but then we didn't step into the freedom that his grace gives us, right? See, grace is the freedom to live outside of sin, right? So now we receive the grace of Christ and he goes, you do not have to be that any longer. You don't have to live that way any longer. And so we step into then the freedom of Christ. And so he, he, we talked about how, how he came to give freedom uh, to, the, to the prisoner and, and freedom to the oppressed. And that through that freedom, we find the Lord's favor, right? So that was last week. And we talked about freedom. And many of you came and you responded and you said, I need freedom. And we stepped into that freedom and we made that transition. So this week, as we continue and wrap up living your best life, I want to talk about walking in victory, walking in victory. It's one thing to accept the freedom. It's one thing to, to say, I've been forgiven. I found freedom. But now we're going to walk in victory. We're going to walk confidently in victory. So I'm really excited about today's message, uh, you know, and in, 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 in where we're going. How many of you know that, that when you are confident about something, it, you know, it changes the way you, you, you walk into it, right? If I come up here on a Sunday morning ill-prepared, I promise you I will have zero confidence and it will be very noticeable because I will be more than scattered and I'll be, you know, like rambling for words and trying to find things, right? But when I have put in the time and the effort and I've studied and I've prepared, I walk up here and I'm far more confident and I go, hey, I can share this today with confidence and I know that I can deliver what the Lord has laid on my heart to speak to you because I have put in time and I am confident. So I have two children, Boston and Stratton, and they are completely different, right? They, they are the same in many ways, but they are also very, very different in who they are. So one of them is this like super reader and he can read like crazy. In fact, this last week we bought him a book on Monday and the book was 207 pages long. On Wednesday, he finished it. I was blown away by the kid. I was like, you are better than your father in that regard. But that is his sweet spot, right? When it comes to reading, he is so confident because he's right, he's there and he, is, he reads and reads and reads. Now, my, my child, Boston, he is all about math and numbers. And it is the craziest thing. You can start throwing out numbers and he's trying to figure out things to do with those numbers in his mind. And you go, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, well, you said it was going to be this long to get there. And you said it's, we started at this time and I looked at the clock and now it's this time. So I'm trying to figure out how much longer it's going to take. And I'm like, easy bud, you're six. Uh, we'll get there. You know, it's one of those. So that's his, you know, like he's confident in that. And so when it comes to sports, their confidence is different also, right? They both love to play soccer. And, and as a proud parent, I'm going to tell you like, they're the best in the world, right? Because I'm just a proud parent, right? Whether they are or not, well, that, that can be up for debate at another time. But in my world, they're the best, right? That's just how it goes. And so my oldest, who's quick, he's quick, but he wants to beat you with foot skills and ball control. He wants to juke you and then meg you and then place the shot right where it needs to be and score, right? Like that's what he wants to do. He loves it whenever he'll put a move on somebody and the whole sidelines is like, whoa, right? Like that is, he lives for that moment. And I remember a specific moment. He was on the other side of the field from our team and sitting by the, it was the parents of the other team. And he'd pulled this step over on a kid and he went that way and Stratton went that way. And the kid fell. Even the other parents were like, oh, like trying to keep it together. Like poor kid, right? He lives for that moment. 
And that's where he's confident, right? He's like, I'm not going to try to beat you in a foot race. I'm just going to shake you and then go. Boston, on the other hand, is like, listen, I don't care about ball control. I'm faster than you and I'm more powerful than you. So I'm going to kick it past you. I'm going to outrun you and I'm going to blast it to the back of the net and you can do nothing about it, right? And that's where he's confident. He's going, man, if, I'm, if this gets into a, a skills challenge, forget it. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to just take it from you and just beat you to the goal. And, and that's how I'm going to score and score and score. And so it's always fun at his age, right? There's no goalies yet. So it's the coolest thing in the world. They'll do their, their little goal kicks. They're kicking in. And Boston's like, I'm going to beat him to the ball. And I'm just going to kick it right in the back of the net. So there was a game where he had seven goals. And the coach on the other team is just complaining. And it was awesome. As a parent, you just love that. And you go, yeah, my kid is messing with your world. And I'm like, you're getting frustrated over a five-year-old right now. And it is awesome to watch you crumble as an adult. Right? And then you go over and you say, can I pray for you? You have some anger. You know? Just love on you. Jesus loves you, right? Right, but they're confident in different ways, right? So when, when they go into a game, here's what I have found though. Their confidence level shifts and changes if they look at themselves in the mirror completely dressed up and ready to go for soccer. It's totally different. If they were to walk out there with, with, with like mixed match shoes and socks, all of a the sudden their mindset is like, well, I don't look like a soccer player. I don't their confidence diminishes. It is so funny to see how their confidence increases because of what they have put on. It's the craziest thing in the world. And you see it. So my nine-year-old who is all about like his hair and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, you're nine, dude, chill. It's okay. He's like, he wants, his, he wants to grow it out because he has older cousins that have this long hair and they both play soccer because he wants to wear a sweatband on his head so that he can pull it back out of his face because that's what his older cousins do. And they're like 16 and 14 and, they, and they're awesome. And he's like, man, they're so cool. I want to be like that, right? So when he gets to wear a, a sweatband on his head for soccer, I promise you, he looks in the mirror three or four times to make sure that the hair's right. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I don't think if your hair's a little out of place, it's going to affect how well you kick the ball, you know? But there's a confidence that comes because of what he's put on. The same thing even with my younger uh, child. He, he is like, the shoes have to be right. He is, he is like, it's really sad. We were raising two kids that have shoe fetishes that are insane and they're going to be broke by the time they're 19, right? And they're going to spend it all. It's going to be bad. We're going to have to rein it in. We got to rein it in, rein it in. But it's like, man, Boston is like so particular about these are the shoes I want. Like, no, I don't want those cleats. I want these cleats. And I'm like, these cleats are a hundred bucks and you're six. So find another pair of cleats. <laughs> You know, we have that conversation. And it, but, but he puts those on and he's like, oh, these are it. And I go, that's great. I hope you just got to live your dream there because you're not getting them, right? It's this whole deal. So, but, but the confidence level increases because of what they have put on. They walk onto the field now ready for battle. And they're like, yeah, we're going to take down those other people. We're going to dominate this day because of what they have on. Here's what we find is this, that when walking into battle, we need to find confidence in the armor we bear. We find confidence in the armor we bear. Just like my children feel really enthusiastic and excited because their uniform's on just right. Their socks are situated just right. They're folded exactly perfect and they have the right cleats on and they feel so good about themselves and they have, they have their soccer bags on. They're like, yeah, I've got a soccer backpack because that automatically like you level up, right? You know, it's like we're better now, right? This whole deal, right? But just in the same way that they find confidence when we are walking through, through battles and, and fighting in this spiritual warfare that we fight in this battle, battle that we live in every day, we need to find confidence in the armor we bear. We need to find confidence in the armor we bear. 
I, uh, I want to talk a little bit today out of Ephesians chapter 6 and, and, and verse 10 through 18 and, and talk about the significance of the armor of God. Talk about the significance of the armor of God. Now, this is, uh, there's a lot to deal with that we could take forever and ever and ever. We could make this a series and we're not going to do that today, but uh, we're, we're going to walk through this and strategically look at how important it is that we bear the armor of God. How many of you know this, that the battles we face are not physical or emotional battles, even though they feel as much, right? But we fight in the spiritual realm, right? We, we fight things. Now, there are physical battles. I'm not saying that, that if you have a sickness, that it's a, a spiritual battle. No, 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 I understand what I'm saying. That, that a lot of times, the, the spiritual warfare that we face and the attacks that we walk through feel or present themselves as physical, emotional struggles, but in the reality is they are spiritual warfare and that we have to learn to fight in the spiritual warfare. And that's a tough thing. And sometimes that's weird for people to be like, what are you talking about? Spiritual warfare and all that. It's a real thing. And so let's look into Ephesians chapter six this morning. And it says in verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? So we are fighting a spiritual battle. He's saying, the enemy is going to attack you. The devil wants to bring you down. He wants to pull you astray, right? He wants you to turn your, your thoughts and your minds from where the Lord is leading you. He is going to fight you, right? That's how this works. He's going, you are under attack at all times. So he said, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so when the attack actually happens, when it actually comes upon you, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Verse 14, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In verse 18, which doesn't often get included with, with this. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that we can take it, we can apply it, and we can live it out. And so Lord, I pray that today that you speak to our hearts and to our minds to equip us to be the men and women that you have called us to be. And we thank you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I've learned is this. God does not set us up for failure. He doesn't set us up for failure. In fact, it, it is in our own failings that he says, hey, listen, 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 take on the tools, equip yourself with what I have given you, right? He says, you know, we're gonna have troubles and we're gonna face things. The enemy's gonna attack us. And he says, I don't wanna leave you out there, you know, on your own. I'm not trying to set you up for failure. I'm giving you what is needed and necessary to be able to, to withstand and to walk boldly into that battle with confidence so that we can walk in victory. So we can walk in victory. So in our house, we have, we've, we've purchased a, a 65-year-old home, right? So when you have a home of that age, you have things that are always in need of repair, and there's things that always, that, that are just on the list, right? You go, okay, we'll get to that one, we'll get to that one, we'll get to that. It's just part of the process. But what if I, so in, in, in that, I, I started accumulating tools, right? 
um, and, and the tools are there to help to do the job. But if I was to just simply look at the tools and, and just go, work, do, right? My children would walk in and be like, mom, something's wrong with dad. You know, it would be one of those kind of moments. And Stratton would be like, no, daddy, don't do it. I don't know. I'm just making up stuff now. But, I, but it wouldn't happen that way, right? Things would not get done. They'd, just because you have the tools at your disposal, just because they're sitting there, doesn't mean that they are being used and useful, right? It's that way in so many different things throughout Scripture and the different things that the promises of God and, and the Word of God, it, it's all there if we simply take it, apply it, and use it, right? So there is a, the necessity of saying, I'm going to take hold of the tools that have been given to me, and I'm going to apply them, and I'm going to use them. So I, I have these tools now, and it's a matter of, as, as things come up, I now have things that are necessary to be able to do the jobs that are in front of me. So it's the same way with the armor of God. And here's what we find as we look through it. He says, you're going to have to put it on. You're going to have to put on the armor of God. So let's walk through this a little bit. The first thing is this, be strong in the Lord. Number one, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So Paul exhorts his readers to be strong in the Lord. Uh, he He knows full well that they are engaged in a lifelong battle against the enemy. He said, listen, this doesn't go away. It never stops. The, the battles you face don't end at some point. You don't ever reach like max level Christianity and the devil goes, back off. Not that guy, right? It doesn't get there. Now, you will face continual battles and struggles. Let me be an encourager to you this morning in that, that uh, the battles never end. But I will tell you this, as we build our strength, we have the ability to withstand. As we, as we grow in the Lord, we have the ability to withstand. And we may see the battles change. We may see the struggles shift and change and be different than what they were at some point. But we, we, we will face trials. James says, count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds, right? He says, because it's through the perseverance that we are well-equipped, that we are built up, that we mature through those, those moments and those difficulties. And he's saying, so Paul says this, he says, be strong in the Lord. Grow in your strength in the Lord. The word strong in the Greek is a, is a fun one. It's, it's, it's in dynamo, okay? In dynamo. So in dynamo is, is where we get the root word for dynamite, right? Is in there. It's also the, the same root word that we find in Acts 1, uh, where he says, and you will receive power. And it's that, that word dunamis. It's that, that, that dyna part, that dynamo part is, is, is the same root word, meaning this, this, this powerful source, right? And he says, be strong in the Lord. He says, grow in this dynamic power that you find from the Lord Almighty. Meaning that, that God has a gift for us. He says, I have this power for you. Receive that and grow in that. Grow in that. Walk in that. Walk in the power that comes from the Lord. And he's saying, don't just, don't just uh, uh, sit there and, and hope that at, this, that at the moment that you're at, that you receive salvation. He doesn't say just stop. That we find all throughout scripture that it is a, the pursuing of growth, the pursuing of stronger, the pursuing of the things of the Lord and, the, and more of God. And he's saying in the same way, grow in your strength. That is, what, that is what Paul is expressing to his readers in this moment is grow in your strength. Now, we live in this active community here. I look out all the time and I see people running. I see people jogging. You go down by the lake and there's like 100,000 people jogging around the lake at one time. And I'm like, man, good for you guys. I'm going to drive home. <laughs> and like, I can look out my window in the mornings while I sip my coffee and see people out running. And I'm like, yeah, you do that. 
so for a while, you know, and I joke, for a while I was, I was, I was very active in, in a very, like, good routine, and I was very faithful to this gym that I was going to, and I would show up, and the workout would be written for me, and it was this tough, rigorous stuff, and I remember when I first started, it was a beating. Man, it was awful, and I kept going, and kept going, and I got more and more fit, and I was stronger. Well, then we moved, and through transition and stuff, um, we will say that consistency in workout has not been there in the least bit, right? It's been like, well, we're gonna, I'm going to do some push-ups in the living room or something, right? And I'm trying to motivate myself. So, so for Christmas, uh, Lauren and I got each other a, a one-month membership to this gym, very similar to the one I was at. And I thought, this is going to be great. This is going to get us kick-started. This is going to get us going. And so we go. And this past week, we started... And day one, I was like, hey, I'll do this boot camp with you because that's the way she likes to work out. And I realize now that it's not for me. So we finished this workout and I, and I dug through it. And I honestly, I can tell you right now, I was the weak link in that boot camp, like without any shame or any shred of, I don't even care. I'm going to let you know straight up. I struggled through that like nobody's business. It was awful. I kept like decreasing weight and decreasing weight. And I'm like, and they're like, then this is the funniest part of the whole thing. They're like, all right, we're almost done. Now we're going to sprint down and back. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're not joking. Oh, <sighs> So I did it and I get through and I sprint. Lauren's like, you, you did it. Like you, you did sprints at the end. <laughs> I was hurting so bad. My chest was pounding and my lungs felt like they were about to explode. And I was thinking, this can't be good. I'm about to go into cardiac arrest. Like there, I, I told the guy like half joking when I walked in, I was like, man, I'm ready to die. And he's like, you're not going to die. And I was like, you don't, you don't know that. Uh, so I, we get through and we're walking out to the car and I'm like, I'm struggling. I, like my heart is still like, doom, 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 doom. Like I, I think people were hearing it. Like, at, you know, it was almost like audible heartbeat going on. And, and it is so bad. And Lauren's like, do you need me to drive? And I'm like, yeah, I do. So she drives home and mind you, it's about 15 minutes from our house. And at this point we get to our neighborhood and we've been done working out for a solid 20 minutes. I checked my heart rate as we pull into our neighborhood. This is no lie, no exaggeration. 20 minutes after the workout, my heart rate was 123. I was like, I'm, I'm really going to die. Like this is, I was like, I should have checked it while I was working out. I was, felt like I was at 315 or something. It was insane. And I was going, there's a reason why I don't work out like this. This is, this is I don't need to live that long, right? Uh, it was kind of what my thought was. I literally was like, I'm going to sit for a minute because I need to get this heart rate down. I crashed. I was like, Pfft. I woke up like 35 minutes later or something. I was snoring. I don't snore. Like <laughs> it was that bad. And I, I learned quickly that, that if, if you don't stay consistent and continue to grow, guess what happens? You decrease. There's a valuable lesson that I learned from my youth pastor growing up. And it was this statement right here. Either you're growing daily or you're dying gradually. Either you're growing daily or you're dying gradually. And it's the same thing in our spiritual journey and our spiritual walk with the Lord, that if, if we aren't pursuing the Lord consistently, if we aren't pursuing God and growing in our walk with him, guess what? We're dying gradually. 
We're getting weaker by the day. We're getting weaker by the moment. And so Paul is saying, be strong in the Lord. It is this encouragement and this push to his readers saying, grow in your strength with the Lord. Grow in the power of the Lord Almighty. Take time daily. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in his word. Spend time with him growing daily so that you can be strong in the Lord. Either you're growing daily or you're dying gradually. And as I found physically, it's a real thing. The next workout was a little better, but just, you know, FYI, because I didn't do the boot camp. I did, I did strength training. We'll move on from there. Either you're growing daily or you're dying gradually. You and I are not in a fight or a battle that is, that is physical or emotional. It may feel like it, but we are fighting a spiritual battle. If we're not working to get stronger, then we're working to get weaker. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's about constant pursuit of the Lord. The second thing is this. He says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. It's Ephesians in in 6.13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. The important word here is full armor. It's actually one word. In the English, we break it down into two words, which would signify that you could partially put on the armor, you could put on some of it. But in the Greek, it is one word. It is one word. It is uh, panoplia. Panoplia means literally full armor. It it would be a military term uh, signifying that when you put on the armor, it is a complete set. There is no lacking in in, in any direction with the armor of God. So it is a full armor. So it would be kind of funny if you were to ever see a Roman soldier in this time walking with partial armor, right? Because when they put on their armor, they would put on the full armor because that is the term used, right? And so he's saying, don't walk out there with just partial armor on. It would be foolish. You'd be setting yourself up for failure in the world of battle. Now, Paul, obviously being uh, in the Roman world at this time, is, is surrounded by Roman soldiers. So his, his ideology is pulled from the world around him. And so when he speaks about the armor, we know that he's speaking about Roman soldiers and the different things we find. And he's going, you're not going to see a Roman soldier walking without his helmet, walking without a shield, walking without a sword, walking without his belt. You know, these are things that he's not going to leave home without. And so he says, put on the full armor, Don't, not lacking anything complete, Right? So there's not a, 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 a option to, to take only part of it. And so let's talk briefly um, through this armor of God. And we find some neat parallels and things from the Old Testament. You'll find that, that Paul, through this, is quoting a lot of Isaiah as he talks about the armor of God. And so he says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Um, it's most likely a reference to Isaiah 11. Um, and in Isaiah 11, he says, with righteousness uh, shall be girded around his waist and with truth bound around his sides. So the belt that he would be talking about in the belt of truth would be more of like a, for lack of a better term, it would kind of look like a leather skirt uh, with like, almost like a tasseled leather skirt kind of thing. And it was there to guard their legs and their sides. Um, and, and it would be this thick, rigid leather. And so it would actually be part of the armor. So it's not just this belt in the sense of, hey, you know, hold your pants up kind of thing. No, this is a, a belt that is actually being used for physical purpose in the sense of battle. So that if people are hitting you in the legs or whatever, the thick leather uh, would be there to protect you from, from receiving any kind of wound or protection. 
but he's saying, step into the truth. And then he said, and guard yourself with the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. And, and by putting on God's righteousness, believers are committed to being imitators of him. Committed, uh, believers are committed to being imitators of Christ, right? He's saying, put on this righteousness, Right? We are righteous because Christ is righteous. Right, We receive his righteousness. We, we are made righteous by Christ. But he's saying now, receive that righteousness. Place that righteousness on. Which Paul, in his words, is saying, put on this full armor. Meaning that we have the choice and the option to then say, okay, I've received your righteousness. Now I'm going to place on that righteousness. He's saying, walk in this righteousness. Be committed to living as Christ lived. Walk in, in righteousness. Walk in the truth in which he walked in. Surround yourself with the truth. Walk in righteousness. Walk in righteousness. And the second, the next part there is, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Again, back in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 52, verse seven says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel, right? On the mountaintops. Now, the, 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 sandal, the sandals in which the, the Roman soldiers were wore were kind of like a sandal boot combo, um, and they were not necessarily intended as a piece of armor, but the reality is is that they did a lot of a, a lot of marching by foot, right? And they would cover miles and miles and miles of land on foot, which is is a beating. And, and and the thought is, you better have your feet protected and covered because it is a long journey from here until the end, from here until the end. And he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news on the mountaintops. And he's saying. Wrap your feet in the sandals of, of the gospel. Carry the gospel with you. Be ready to endure the long journey of the gospel. And he's saying, you know, be fitted with those sandals. And then he says this, and this is an, an important part that we need to understand this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. And this tells me this, very simple. One, they're fighting from a distance, they're shooting their arrows from a distance, right? They're not trying to get close, but, but the enemy wants to attack you from a far off place. And he wants to shoot these arrows and he's going, you need this shield of faith. You need this shield of faith to be able to protect and to cover yourself so that as the arrows come, you're able to extinguish those things. You're able to block them out. Now the shield that the Roman soldiers would wear uh, or carry would be almost a full body shield, right? It was this large piece of, of metal that they could use to protect themselves from, from all sorts of attacks and blows from different enemies. And so they would carry these large shields and he's saying, use that. You can cover yourself and be protected by that. Here's a really cool thing. Proverbs 30 verse five, it says, every word of God God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God is our shield, right? As we take on the faith of Christ, as we then pick up this faith and, and this salvation that comes, we now have, I apologize for that. We now have this covering that comes from God. He is our shield. He is our protector. He is our refuge. All throughout the Old Testament, when you read about God as a shield, it is always in reference to God being our protector. When you read about a shield, God is our shield. He is our protector. He is our cover. And he's saying, and take up this shield of faith. Take up this shield of faith. God wants to cover you with protection. He wants to cover you with this. When we begin to step outside of what God has for us, and all of a sudden we then step out of his protection and his covering, he's going, no, 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 that's not what I have called you to. That's not what I'm leading you in. So pull yourself back over here so I can protect you then from the attacks that want to come. If you want to walk in victory, don't step outside of the shield. 
That's a good way to get yourself killed in battle, right? Is to drop your shield and turn and run. And he's going, no, 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 no. Take on the shield of faith. Take on the shield of faith. Here's a really cool statement that I read in a, in a commentary by P.T. O'Brien. And he said, to take the shield of faith then is to appropriate the promises of God on our behalf, confident that he will protect us in the midst of the battle. Confident that he will protect us in the midst of the battle. Take on the promises of God. Step into that. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God which is the word of God. This would be out of Isaiah as well, Isaiah 59. But, but one of the things I want to point out is this. How are they attacking us? They're attacking us from afar with arrows, right? They're shooting at us with arrows. And then the Bible doesn't say, take on the bow and arrow, which is the word of the Lord. No, 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 no. It doesn't say that, that the Bible is the bow and arrow of the spirit. It says it is the sword of the spirit. Here's what I, have, I, I go, man, that makes it kind of difficult because they're shooting arrows from really far away. And if we're supposed to be fighting with the sword, this doesn't go nearly as far as an arrow. So we're called to this battle, but it's not this fight of like, I'm going to throw a sword at you and hope that it hits you from a long ways away, right? No, no, no. It's not that. It's saying that we're supposed to be fighting in close proximity, that we take the the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and we are able to combat and fight back because we have the shield to protect us all the way to the source of the attack, to then take the sword and to slay the attacker so that we stand victorious. So it's a matter of being confident in the armor we bear so that with the sword that we have, we can fight close enough to be able to win the battle. Walking in victory means that we have to face the attacker. We're not called to sit back and just defend ourselves and hope that we live. We are called to fight. Walking in victory means that we win the battle. We're not waiting them out. We're not hoping that they tire out and that we're just more stubborn than they are and we're gonna stand longer. No, 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 no. We're gonna turn and fight. We're gonna, we're gonna face it head on and we're gonna say, by the sword of the spirit, I can, I can win this battle. So how do we, how do we yield the sword, Right? How do we hold this sword? How do we fight with this sword? It is the craziest thing in the world. You can actually take it, open it, read it, and apply it. It is awesome. It is the, it, you, I mean, sometimes you go, wow, that's mind-blowing. You can actually read the word of God and apply it. Here's one of the things that I'm big on. I'm big on this. I'm big on this. Spending time in the word of God on your own. I, I believe wholeheartedly in learning the scripture and knowing the word of God for, for ourselves, Right? Here's what's cool is the word of God is alive and active. Hebrew tells us that. It is alive and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate even bone and marrow. Think about that. You go, whoa, that's a sharp sword. Uh, You can cut down and be like, okay, here's the bone, here's the marrow, right? It's saying the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So when we take on the sword of the spirit, there is no sword that is able to compare to how, how, how precise it can cut. So he's saying, take the word of God, read the word of God, learn the word of God, walk in the word of God, apply that word of God. So that as you go through your day, guess what? Now you are equipped with the sword. You now have the words. One of the things that we we, we try to do with our children is scripture memorization. And it is really cool because where they are now, they are learning some passages of scripture. And it is awesome to hear them start quoting out of Psalms 34. And you go, man, you you are getting it. You are hearing the word of God. You're learning the word. That's what 
it's about scripture memorization and learning things so that not only do you know the word of God, but, but if people ask you, well, where is that at? You can go, oh, it's here, right? And, and, and knowing where to point to and, and what to say and say, hey, this is the word of God. So that when it comes to an attack, here's one of the things that I find that we often do. Even if we know the word of God and we have it in our heart, here's what happens a lot of times is that we neglect to use the word of God. We forget that, that we can walk in the promises of the word of God. And we start looking at the attack of the enemy and be like, oh, this is what it is. And we go, no, 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 no. The word of God has, there, there are promises for you. And then we start finding our identity in other things. And it's like, no, no, no. Find who you are in the word of God. Begin to walk in what the word of God says you are and who it says you are and apply that and say, I am not what this world has said that I am. I am not a product of this situation or a product of this past. I am a product of a, of a redesigned, reborn life and that I can find my identity in Christ and I can be who the word says I am. I can walk in the word of God. I can apply that to who I am so that I am no longer bound to what the world has called me or says that I am. We apply the word of God. We use the word of God and we don't let the attacks of the enemy come against us because we can stand strong with the word of God. Do you understand that these are not just words written by people, but these are words inspired by God himself. They are built on the promises of the word of God, right? As the Lord spoke, he builds this up and he says, you can take this word, you can apply this word and know that today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity, it will in fact be the true word of God. There's no wavering. There's no shaking. There's, there's, there's no moving back and forth. But he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Meaning that you can use that word. You can fight in battle with it. And when the enemy comes after you, you can begin to quote scripture back and begin to say, no, 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 no. That's what you say, but the word of God says this. That's how you use the sword of the spirit. That's how you use the word of God. It says who you are. You can walk in that. You can take that and you can use it. Remember, when walking into battle, find confidence in the armor you bear. When walking into battle, find confidence in the armor you bear. The third thing today is this. Stand firm. Stand firm. And I'm aware of my time, so I've got to go quick, because I have another one after that. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, right? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So there's two words actually used there for stand, which is, uh, can be confusing because it's the English language and you go, well, then why didn't they use two different words? The first word actually means to withstand and the second word means to stand, right? And so the withstand means to, to be able to hold your ground when the attacks come, that you're not being knocked backwards, but that it's like you're rooted now, right? You've got those shoes on that are holding you. You've got the shield up and all of a sudden you've put on the full armor of God now. So you have the ability to withstand the attacks of the enemy that are gonna come and you're going, nah, you're not gonna get me off this spot. I'm gonna hold my ground so that then as you move forward, the ability to stand and fight is the idea. He said, you've withstood the attack and now you've held off and you go, now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. I've withstood what you're doing and now I'm going to turn and fight. I'm going to turn and fight. I'm going to turn and fight. Next week is, is the Super Bowl. Now I'm not going to get into the who's in and who's not because you know, there's a lot of struggle in, in the house and that's okay. Well, if you need prayer for emotional wounds and hurts, because of no calls, I've got your back. I'll pray for you, right? <laughs> we have some serious Saints fans, in case you're wondering. So we're just, uh, 
So depending on who you're cheering for, it doesn't, doesn't matter in, in, in this illustration. So, uh, so the final game is next week. And here's what I've learned. What if on any play on either side of the ball, whatever, you know, whoever it is, that the offensive line gets out there and they look at each other and like, hey, do you just want to take a break while we're out here? So the offensive line, if you don't know, their job is to protect the quarterback, the one who is going to be throwing the ball or handing off the ball, who is running essentially the offense, right? And, and, and making the plays happen. So if the offensive line is like, dude, I am tired. This is like a 16-play drive, and we've been out here a long time. Y'all just want to tell you what, when he says hut, just stand there. What would happen to that quarterback? He was a sitting duck back there. He is about to get killed. He may lose his head. And, and, and like all of a sudden, the screen's going to go black, and it's going to be like we're experiencing technical difficulties, and we're not going to know why because we don't have tickets to be there, right? And we're going to go, what's going on? What just happened? The Super Bowl just went, just like blacked out on us, and all of a sudden, there's nothing. And it's because the quarterback just died, and they didn't want to show it on television, right? Right? So it's the same way that if we don't take the armor and put on the full armor, we wouldn't have the ability to, to withstand the attack or to stand firm to make the play, right? The quarterback would be sitting there going, uh, I thought we had on the whole armor here, what's going on? And instead it was like, oh no, we took a break, right? In the same way, see, he says, put on the full armor so that you can stand, so that you have the strength to withstand. See, it's, it's about, the armor is not just about looking good in battle, right? It's like my boys feel confident because they have the right shoes and their socks are folded correctly. You know what I mean? It, it's not just that. It's, it's about being able to withstand. It has a purpose. And he's saying, put on the full armor so we can stand. And I'm going to move quickly. So we're going to go ahead and go uh, to the next one so that we don't take forever on this because this one is crucial and important. Number four is pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. See, Paul uh, I, I believe intentionally has a separated and doesn't give a uh, an armor analogy with this on purpose. I believe that that Paul is 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 finding heavy importance on the idea of praying and praying in the spirit, and, and I, I feel that it might be of the greatest importance. And, and I'll explain that. And he says in verse eighteen, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So I say that, that this is important because uh, if you look at the language of uh, what Paul is using and what he's saying, he's saying, you know, pray on all occasions. It's that idea of continually being a mindset of prayer, being an attitude of prayer. And he says, uh, you know, be, be aware of what's going on, pay attention to what's going on around you. And then he said, and then keep on praying, right? It's that heavy emphasis of, of in all things, in all moments, at all times, be in prayer and, and pray in the spirit. And he's saying, be aware of what's happening around you. Be aware of the attackers, not just in your life, but he says, pray for all the Lord's people. So that comes us back to that idea that we were pushing earlier today, that, that it requires each of us in unity, sharing with one another and being open to say, I need you to pray for me. If you could be praying for me, you know, finding that connection point. And he's saying, be in a mindset and an attitude of of prayer. Being a mindset of prayer. Have you ever worked with a person who's really bad at planning? And they've got an event coming up and they've done absolutely no planning and, and, and they go, oh yeah, we can try to pull this off. And, and last minute, big things are being dropped and stuff of that nature. I, I can tell you this, when I was younger, I was absolutely the worst planner and now I've moved all the way up to mediocre um, in planning. I love planning. I love, I love the idea of planning, Right? But what I find is that when we fail to plan, we plan to fail, right? I think we've all heard it a million times and it's been preached in every like, you know, motivational seminar and whatnot that you've ever had to sit through for work. 
that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And it's the same concept here when as it comes to prayer, because a lot of times, when do we run to the Lord in prayer? When the battle is already on us. When the battle has already come. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Always be in an attitude of prayer. Always be in prayer. He's not saying that you can't stop praying, you know, get 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and if you're not praying in this moment right now, you're getting it wrong. That's not what we're getting at. No, he's saying, but be aware of all things and all needs and be in prayer. Be in prayer. Because if, if, if we aren't constantly fighting and preparing, we said it earlier, either you're growing daily or you're dying gradually, and it goes back to that same idea of being in prayer. Because here's what, here's what we find, is that it's in prayer, it is in those moments, it is in prayer that we begin to be covered with the armor of God. It is through prayer that we put on the full armor of God. It is through prayer that we are strengthened and we are made strong in the Lord, that we, we are built up by the Lord Almighty. We need prayer. We need those times where we say, I, I'm going to go get away and I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time seeking the Father and asking for him to give me what I need to face the day so that I can walk in victory. If you want to live your best life, you've got to be able to walk in victory. And how do we do that? We're strong in the Lord. We put on the full armor of God so that we can stand and we pray continually. We pray on all occasions. Invite the worship team as we wrap this up this morning. We have to remember that we don't fight just a physical, emotional battle, but we are fighting a spiritual battle. The enemy wants to attack us with his flaming arrows, but God said, I'm not setting you up for failure. I'm not leaving you out to dry. I'm not sitting you out to pasture and saying good luck out there and pats you on the back as you go. No, 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 no. He has equipped us. He has given us what we need so that we can be successful in this life as we face the attacks of the enemy. And let me tell you this. I'll tell you this just right away. The attacks look different in different seasons, in different moments, in different times. And there are some moments that we miss the fact that it's a spiritual battle and we go, man, I should have done that. This didn't happen. And next thing we know, we go, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe we're under attack here. In our family, in my, my, my family, we have found that we went through a time period where every person in our family, it seemed like, was, was going through some sort of crazy sickness. I mean, crazy things. And this is, this is wild stuff where uh, my little sister was, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 19 years old, which is really late in life to become a type 1 diabetic. So we were going through that. Then my mom was having health issues and complications and struggles. And then I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And it was just like one thing after the other. And we were going, what in the world? And we, my dad finally was like, guys, <laughs> well, I think our family is spiritually under attack here. I think we're under attack. And it was that, that moment of stopping and recognizing and beginning to pray and say, God, we're coming to you. And maybe we were a little late. Now, I will say this. I know for a fact my father was not late uh, to the prayer aspect because I guarantee you I know where he was this morning at 5 o'clock because he gets the idea of praying continually, praying continually, always in prayer. But it was that recognition and that realization in that moment that, oh, man, we are under attack. We are spiritually under attack. Our family is facing some crazy things. 
Now, I, 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 I'm excited to tell you that I have since been healed of epilepsy. I don't take any medication any longer. I haven't had a seizure in years and years and years and years at this point. And God has truly healed me. And I'd like to tell you that, that my mom also has been, has been healed and, and has not having the issues she was having, the battles she was facing. And we're still believing for my little sister to be healed because God can heal type 1 diabetes. We, we've read about him. We've seen him. We know God does. And we know nothing's too difficult for him. We know that he's capable and that he's able and we know that he is faithful, but we found that when we recognize the fact that it was a spiritual attack, that all of a sudden we went to battle. We went to battle and things began to subside. And all of a sudden God began to work miracles and we began to see incredible things happen. Now I'll tell you this, that not every, not every sickness is a spiritual battle. Not every uh, financially difficult month is a spiritual battle. Sometimes they manifest themselves in those ways. And I don't know how, why or, or how uh, the methods are chosen or used or whatever it may be. I, 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 can't, I can't begin to explain those things and there's no way I ever could be able to explain those things. But I just know that there are times when we overlook the fact that we're fighting a spiritual battle and we have to be ready to face it. And we have to be ready and equipped with the full armor of God having spent time in prayer, prayer in the spirit. Prayer in the spirit. Say, God, I need you. I need your strength. I need your ability. I need your power in my life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this morning and this chance to come to worship you, to, to, to hear from your word. God, and I pray that we don't just hear, but God, that we're doers of your word also. God, we don't want to be like somebody who sees themselves in the mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what we look like. But God, we want to be hearers of the word and doers of the word as well. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that your spirit just begins to breathe on us. Just begin to breathe on us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.